welcome to the Heart of Dating podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey, hey, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning into the Heart of Dating podcast today. Our guest today is spunky and fabulous and has such a fun and incredible story. The fierce Amina Brown is a poet, speaker, author, and event host. She and her husband, DJ Optigi, live in Atlanta together. So get this, guys. Amina was actually named one of Rejuvenate Magazine's top 40 under 40 change makers. And let me tell you, she is a mover and a shaker and a life changer. That is for sure. Amina is the author of five spoken word CDs and two nonfiction books, including Breaking Old Rhythms and her latest release, How to Fix a Broken Record, which I've read and laughed and loved every second. She has performed and spoken at events across the nation, such as Creativity World Forum, the If Gathering, and she has also toured with Gungor and Boss Camp and so many more. She also is another Girl Boss podcaster and hosts her own show, How to Fix a Broken Record. Today, Amina and I get into it about owning your story and being confident in who you are in dating. We talk about how some of the things of our childhood influenced how we looked at men and women in dating. And we also laugh a ton about some hilarious situations we've been through when it comes to men. At the end, Amina graces us with something really special. So you're going to want to stay all the way to the end to hear it. Trust me, I even teared up a bit. It was so amazing. So here is my incredible interview today with Amina Brown. Oh my goodness. Good afternoon, Amina. Hey. Girlfriend, I'm I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today. Oh yes. I'm happy to be out here. Plus I love opportunities to talk. So this is <laughs> I mean, we're women. How do we not love an opportunity to talk? I'm like, podcasting is perfect for me. I'm I'm here for the chats. I know. When I was coming up with the venture to do this, I was like, well, this is great. I just get to talk to a bunch of amazing people. And that just sounds awesome. It's just recorded this time. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's fun. I feel like even though we're doing a Skype interview right now, I feel like we're kind of in like our living rooms together. Very much. It's very living room over here. Um, everyone listening, you can't see it, but there's a lot of living room things going on over here. Just a lot so of living know. room things. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. It's so weird. I feel like I kind of know you even just from our few conversations, um, even though we we haven't known each other that long, but I feel like I know you, girl. That's right. And we have mutual friends, I think, too. So there's probably yeah. been all this like community that we had, you know, sort of yeah. connected, even though we'd never met. I know. I think that's so funny too, even with the social media age and how you can connect with people and you have mutual friends and it's just kind of what happens. I love that though. Anyway, I also feel like if we lived in the same city, we would kind of be like a little bit unstoppable. So I, I'm going to have to come obviously. and visit you out in Atlanta. Obviously. Oh yes. We have the biscuits out here for you. The biscuits? Yes. That's our I... cuisine. Biscuits and fried chicken. That's what we have. Oh yes. yes. Fried chicken. Come on. Yes. Okay. I hate to say this, but I'm gluten-free. So maybe I need some gluten-free fried, fried chicken. Let me take a, <laughs> let me take a moment. I'm going to have a moment about that, I know, but it's good. We could still, I figured out how to make gluten-free cornbread. So <gasps> there are ways. Hey girl, 
Let's do it. Oh my gosh. Don't worry. (laughs) Oh, I've never actually been over to Atlanta. So I'm going to, I just have to make it out there. Yes. This is going to have to happen. I will find (laughs) you the gluten-free Southern food eats. We will do it. Yes, we will do it and we will thrive and we will conquer the city (laughs) and have endless conversations in our couch, on our couches. Um, anyway, for anyone who does, who doesn't know Amina, her primary art form is being an amazing spoken word artist and she just slays y'all. Let me tell you. And I, I mean, I just have to let you know that I'm such a feeler, so I'm not going to lie. I get sometimes a little emotional hearing your pieces because they're just so beautiful. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Thank you. I, I still sometimes on certain ones get a little teary myself. So you do. I'm glad I'm not the only person in there, you know, crying. So that's good. Are you, are you a feeler? Are you like, do you know your Enneagram? I'm a two. I'm the auntie of the Enneagram. I am the auntieagram. Yes. Yes. A two. So I'm a three. So we're both feelers. We're in Mm -hmm. the, we're in the feeler zone. The feeler zone. Anyway, Totally makes sense. Um, but also, I, I just recently read your newest book, How to How to Fix a Broken Record. And I just have to let you know, it's so refreshing. I feel like it's just so real. And lately, I've been in this zone of just reading so many books. But what I really love about your book is I actually really, just as we were talking about sitting on a couch, I felt like I was sitting on a couch and you were just telling me these amazing, intimate stories about your life. And so it's just really cool. So thank you for that amazing book. Thank you. It's, I mean, when you're writing a book, you're sitting in a room by yourself, you know, writing it for a yeah. long time. And then yeah. it finally like goes out there into the world and you get to hear like what other people are thinking about something that you wrote when you were in a room by yourself. You know? <laughs> so that's like, really great. It's super encouraging to me to hear that. Oh, but it's true though, too. And like, I read a lot of books, which are amazing. I love so many of the books I read, but oftentimes you don't get that intimacy of just feeling like you can hear the person's words as if they're talking to you. So that's just a gift in itself that you were able to do through that book. And I just loved it. I loved it so much. I laughed. I cried. I just was like, yes, (laughs) amen to that. I was like talking out loud. (laughs) I love it. Oh, thank you so much, Kate. I love it. Oh, okay. So I'm so excited about talking with you today about the amazing topic of dating. And, you know, we all have a unique story and you particularly have such a diverse and beautiful story. Um, you grew up with a single mom, your parents were divorced. And, um, can you just talk, I guess, for a minute about how your upbringing and your story had an impact on your journey, um, and your identity as a woman? Yeah. Uh, I grew up in a house full of women. (laughs) very strong mm. women. Ooh, so, uh, I'm, I'm thankful for that in so many ways because mm-hmm. I, I really didn't grow up with a lot of ideas about sort of being a damsel in distress. You know, mm, I really yeah. didn't grow up with that narrative because I grew up, you know, in a house with my mom who was a single mama and my grandma, I was a widow. So she also, uh, had to raise her four kids alone after her husband died. Mm-hmm. So I think just growing up in a house of women that, had to do whatever was going to get done. (laughs) You know, it just gave me this very can do attitude about life, which I love. And there were obviously also some hard parts of that, you know, growing up in a home where there were no men because I didn't Mm -hmm. grow up with brothers in my house and I didn't grow up with my father in my house, you know? Right. So, uh, there were a lot of things about that that were very hard, especially in my teen years, you know, when you're going through that period of time, you're trying to not only figure out who you are, but 
in my case, you know, you're, I'm going through that phase of like, okay, I really find guys attractive, but I, I don't even know what guys are like. Like that whole thing was very foreign to me, (laughs) you know? I mean, it's yeah. foreign to a lot of women just because, you know, we tend to be in a lot of ways different from men, uh, mm-hmm. depending on who we are and those things. But, um, for me, it was like foreign, like really foreign. Like, I don't know <laughs> what you guys are doing. I don't know what you're like. And so I remember a whole new ball day game. Yeah. You're like, I, what is this thing? Like, this guy I don't know that what you're what? doing, what you think like, you know, and that yeah. sort of just reverberating for mm. me, these feelings of like, you know, I didn't grow up with my dad at home. So it wasn't like mm. I even you know, was hanging out with my dad or learning from my dad, you know, ways that a man can be, you know, I mean, I was spending the summers with my dad, um, in relation to the rest of the year. Right. So I had some time with him, but not a lot Mm -hmm. of time. And, And I think that, growing up as a kid of divorced parents definitely played a role in how I looked at dating. Um, I was growing up in church. I grew up in a very church going family too. So there were those dynamics too, that played a role in what I thought about sex, what I thought about, um, dating or the Mm. pursuit of dating, what I thought were the things a woman should do and were the things a man should do. You know, there were a lot of dynamics that definitely, Mm -hmm. um, played a role in that for me, you know? Mm. Mm. And how do you think like just figuring out and finding your identity as a woman in those years in a, you know, a divorced family, how do you think it affected you as you started to venture out into dating? I think, first of all, it just caused me to avoid dating at all costs for a long time. Mm. <laughs> to be honest, like, I was like, like, no, thanks. Yeah, no, like I have a younger sister. Yeah. She's almost 11 years younger than me. So I was 10 about to oh, turn wow. 11 when she was born. And I always joke with my mom, it was the best uh, birth control that uh, she could have given <laughs> me because it just <laughs> took away like all the, sort of fantasy, I guess, that I would have had about, Mm. you know, uh, really not just about uh, pregnancy, but in my mind, that was definitely a large connection to sex because I was Mm. like, okay, is something people do, men and women get together and do that makes this happen. This person that's crying every two hours and Mm. leads her fucked up, whatever, you know, so uh-huh. I do remember that being like a, okay, whatever you have to do to make one of these, maybe I don't want it. And then, <laughs> uh, maybe I don't want to even just engage in that way with guys. And I did, you know, full disclosures grow up in a church setting in the era of, I kiss dating goodbye as well. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. So that book, yeah. yeah, to grow up <laughs> in that high school into college right. in certain circles of my church community, it was applauded that you would avoid dating. Mm, interesting, so yeah. well, I did because I right. was like, well, I got to finish school. My mom is working so hard to help make sure I can be in school. I don't have time to like mess mm. up. You know, I felt like I had yeah. a lot riding on my shoulders as far as all the community around me that was supporting me. So really mm. my main thing for a long time was just to avoid dating. I probably avoided dating until I was in my mid twenties. I really, I think in high school, I went on maybe one date outside of prom. And when I was in college, no dates. I I love the awkward high school dating, by the way. It's always like, especially if you're like just not even 16. I don't know if you had that ever, but your parents drop you off for a date. 
Yeah. It's hilarious. Oh my gosh. I was 18. So it was like shortly after I graduated. Okay. And Mm -hmm. um, I would say his name, but I won't do that to embarrass him, but we are still Facebook (laughs) friends. Isn't that weird? That is so weird. That I went on my first high school date with, but. Oh my gosh. um, He was very nerdy and very sweet. And, um, he had been, I wrote about this in a little bit in the book, but you know, he had been accepted to all these like military academies all over the country. So to my grandmother, she's like, please go out with him, please. We would love for him to come pick you up. We don't care about whoever else you've ever had a crush on, but he got into the military academies. Like when I say almost all the branches, like he Mm. got into all of them. That's how smart he was. My grandma oh my was like, I think if I would have been like, I'm going to marry that guy. My grandma would have been like, please do this. So he was my one and only high mm. school date right there after graduation. And then it was like yeah. seven more years. <laughs> of like nothing, please get away from me. <laughs> of nothing at all until I was like, oh, if I keep going this way, I don't know this is the way I want to live my life. I'm, yeah. You know? It's so hard because I do think there's a big factor of like how divorce plays into that. Maybe a little bit of fear, at least. I mean, I come a fam- from a family where my parents are divorced too, and um, they didn't get divorced till I was almost 20. But even in that capacity, it does change your like your view of marriage in a way. It kind of makes you step back and say, oh, okay, wow. I, I definitely don't want that to happen in my life. I know for me, I, I mean, it caused a little bit of fear. I think for me, um, you know, cause you don't want to, you just don't want that same outcome. You don't want that brokenness in your family. Um, how do, how do you think that, yeah. Did you feel like you had any fear or trust issues, I guess, too, when it came to men? I think in a certain way, because, because I was growing up in a family that had experienced divorce, I think in a way it, and I would say that coupled with growing up in a, in a church setting that was very family oriented, Mm -hmm. I think that sort of came together to make me really hold tightly to Mm -hmm. marriage. And, and one, and I felt, I guess, how can I describe that, Kate? I felt, I felt a lot of of weight about it, I should say, you know, it made me feel like it was something I wanted to do, but mm. I felt so serious about it that it took me a long time to understand, like, you can like casually date people, Amina. Like it yes. doesn't have to be like any person you look at has to be like your husband, your husband or something, you know? But I think because yeah. I was like, oh, I watched my parents go through this. I experienced as a kid what it was like to grow mm. up in a home, you know, where my parents weren't married anymore. I don't want that for my future kids, you know, so I need to, you know, have these certain standards and I need to be Mm. this certain way about how I'm going to approach this. So for me, it sort of turned into this, Mm. like, you know, almost like you're growing up in an environment where there were things that happened you couldn't control. Well, now you're an adult, you know, the one thing I could control was like, well, I'm just going to stay out of that for a while. Yeah. Just going to wait. Whole thing. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. I think we so often do that. It's so easy to. It's and also whether it's our parents or seeing other friends go through awful heartbreak or even ourselves going through like one major heartbreak and that's all it takes, yeah. you know. Heartbreak is a huge sting. It can actually feel like in pain is inflicted on you and I think you don't want to either you see that in your family or you experience it yourself through heartbreak and 
it's like, okay, pausing the brakes. Now I'm going to have all these lists of standards and expectations and I'll do anything to avoid going through that kind of pain again. Um, and so that, that is, that's hard. I think that's a really hard thing for us to get out of. How did you navigate that into your twenties as you began to date? Oh, child. I think that <laughs> <laughs> let's not, let's get real here. <laughs> I think that I, I was, I was very involved in uh, church leadership and local church mm-hmm. ministry when I was in my twenties, which I'm glad I did. But I think I sort of had this awakening between 24 and 25 Mm. where I was realizing, okay, you know, I'm not in college anymore. I had a, I had a pretty good excuse not to date when I was in college. You know, I mean, you are there for your education, right? So it's like, okay, yeah, you know, get your education, do that. But then it's like, okay, well that's done around the time I got sort of my first real job. And I was starting Mm. to feel that those real, like I'm an adult feelings and Mm. being around other people who were my same age, but maybe didn't grow up the way I did. Maybe, maybe they didn't grow up with divorced parents. Maybe they weren't Christian or maybe they didn't grow up with sort of the church, uh, context that I had about dating. So I would be sitting in the cafeteria at work, listening to them talk and realize, Oh, I am having a very different experience as a 24, 25 year old than some of my peers were and some of my friends were. So I think that was my moment of, okay, why am I not dating? Let's evaluate that. And Mm. I dug underneath there and realized, well, I'm not dating because I'm afraid. And I don't think that's a good reason. It's different Mm. if I could say, oh, I'm not dating because that's not a healthy space for me right now. Or I'm not because I have these things in my life that I like to focus on, like I was in college. But Once Mm -hmm. all those things were removed, I'm like, you're really not dating because you're afraid. You're afraid you don't know how to handle yourself. Mm -hmm. You're afraid in a lot of ways of your own sexuality. Mm -hmm. You're afraid of how you're Mm -hmm. going to maintain your own boundaries, how you're going to communicate, how Mm -hmm. you're going to handle it when you go on a date with a man that you think is immensely sexy and how you're going to handle it when you go on a date with a man who you don't find attractive at all, you know, like just, yeah. I was afraid of that. And so I really wanted to go on a journey to grow in that area. And that was when I started reading, um, I started reading mm. boundaries and dating first yes. by uh, Dr. Henry and Townsend. Townsend. Yeah. Oh. And that book just gave me like a new paradigm from which yeah. to approach dating and simultaneously walk through the dating process along with my relationship with God, because I think mm-hmm. I just didn't, it was like, I had, I had youth group information, which was mm-hmm. fine when I was in a youth group, but by the right. time you're 25 years old, you're yeah. separated from that. You might be living in an apartment now you, you know, have a job yeah. or some of my friends had already bought, bought homes by then. Like you're living a, a very different life in a different communal space than you yeah. were, you know, when you were younger. So that book gave me, uh, it was the first time I forget now, but one of the questions in the workbook sort of asked yeah. you to think about all, like examine all the either dating or experiences you had where you sort of had, you know, feelings for another person. And mm. one of the questions, and I'm sure I'm going to butcher what it was, but it <laughs> asked about that in a positive light. Like mm. what were good things about that experience? And my previous yeah. knowledge about dating was all like, you're going to get your heart broken. I grew up charismatic. So you're going to have soul ties. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, the soul ties. Yeah, thing is right. all that language, you know? So it's like yeah. all this negative stuff. The only yeah. good thing that could come from dating is bless your heart if you happen to stumble upon the person you're supposed to marry. Yeah. Whereas when I started reading Boundaries in Dating, it was, oh, I could get to know things about myself. I could yes. get to know an interesting person, even if oh. it's never like in the car Preach. for us to get married, you know? So that yes. sort of opened up like a whole new world for me that I could experience dating and, and this sounds so crazy, but, and be an adult in the sense of yeah. sort of, it was almost like my dating information stopped at 14 years old. So mm. somewhere at 25, I had to catch up to yeah. the age I actually was at the time and go, wow. yeah, dating because it involves human beings is sometimes going to be heartbreaking, but life mm. is too. A part yeah. of a part of the that paradigm shift for me was, man, a lot of good stuff can come out of dating, and some hard stuff will happen too, and you can mm-hmm. have the tools to deal with both. Right. I love that too because I went through some hard dating experiences, just in life, but especially a few years ago, I had a one that really was particularly difficult, and I took a pause on dating. I mean, I needed to heal, so I'm so super grateful for that time, but. I had built up in my mind all this list of expectations and I had some fears attached to it. And I realized I just wrote people off left, right, and center because they didn't fit exactly the bill of what I had in my little mind of what I needed. And until really I started feeling like, oh, I haven't dated for years. Maybe this is a problem. And then I read, I read um, the book, how to get a date worth keeping. Yes, um, doc- oh I my gosh. For that book. I gotta, I gotta give a little applause right here. I know. I and it's such an book, easy people. read. Oh, yeah. it's so good. And it's easy. It's just, it's an easy read. It's, it's challenging. It's like a dating challenge and, um, Dr. Henry cloud. Oh, I love it. And I, I'll never forget in the book where he talks about, and I, it convicted me because this girl, he's at, ta- uh, d- I think at a dinner with her and she's like, I'm just the, you know, uh, there's just no good guys out there. And, you know, there's no good men. There's all these good women. All my friends, we're all single. We're amazing, but there's no good guys. And he's like, oh, really? And um, he started challenging her and he said, I think there's a lot of good guys out there. I think what's happening is you've built up such a wall in your mind of what exactly you want and you need and you desire doesn't allow God to be in there at all. And in fact, if you just think that God is going to drop someone on your doorstep, (laughs) unless you're marrying the FedEx guy, you're probably like not going to find him. And you know, it's like that wrecked me so much because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing that. Um, And so many of us, so many of us do that. And then as I, and it kind of started this whole journey for me of challenging myself to go out with people that maybe on paper I never would have considered before um, because of aesthetics or because of, I don't know, some different interests, right? And it was amazing to me how much you could learn not only about other people, but then also about yourself in the process, just like you were saying. And there's so much beauty to that. Um, yeah, I, oh. Yeah, I, you, as, as you know, Kate, I'm a strong proponent of that book because oh. that book played a major role in helping me get out of my problematic mm. patterns with dating. I yeah. was always dating the same type of guy. He yeah. was fun. He was attractive. Mm-hmm. He could not mm. commit to save Mm. his life. I was dating that guy over and over. He showed up different body types, different background, different ages, 
but the same. And that book mm. was the first time that I really broadened what I, who I would go out on a first date with. Right. You know, and that just helped like open my mind. And like you said, helped me to see like, wow, this guy, I'm not going to go out with him again. However, I have discovered by being on this date that I love his body type. And I didn't even know I would like a guy who had that body yeah. type or I yeah. love how intelligent this guy is talking to mm. me about hiking Machu Picchu. I'm never going to hike Machu Picchu, <laughs> but boy, I'm probably neither, but I about it. it. You know what I mean? Like I, I love that right. he's so brilliant in his discussion <laughs> of that, you know? Yeah. And you could start appreciating these other, I love it. Like Dr. Henry Cloud, he says like, um, it's really just a journey of appreciating another creation that God has, that God has birthed, you know, like that he has created. And that's the point of the beginning of dating. At least I think a lot of it, it should be, you know, meeting someone new and getting to be excited about a person that's different from yourself. Cause Hey, at the end of the day, I don't want to date a carbon copy of myself no, at all. No, not me. Mm-mm. And, and I, I and I love I actually, me. I just don't I want to be in a relationship with someone that's exactly like me. I don't want that. Right. Or even like the exact same interests. I mean, you can learn so much from people that um, have differing interests from you. My my friends are all sorts of, they love a, a plethora of different things. And in fact, I joke sometimes, even just from my friends that in Santa Monica here, where I live, everyone loves going hiking. They love being outside. They go, you know, on these trips, camping trips. And girl, let me be real. I I appreciate all of that, but I am not a camper. Not me. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, no, no. That's, that's not unless not by camp, we mean have stayed in a nice hotel or exactly. a nice cabin. And I mean, maybe glamping. I could do a, yeah, a form of glamping. But like the tent right? and the sleeping bag, I'm good. No. And, and the going to the bathroom in the wilderness, uh, I'm nope. definitely not, not for that. And I'm, I so respect all my girlfriends who, and they're probably listening right now laughing because I love it. We talk about it all the time, how we're so different, but there's so much like depth to just people that are different from you. And I think that is so important in dating too, to really open our minds to people who are so different from ourselves. Hey friends, question for you. Are you ready to take our relationship to the next level? (laughs) Don't worry. This is a good thing. I want to invite you to be a part of the Heart of Dating Inner Circle. I am so thankful for Patreon because it gives artists and creators the ability to raise funds to do what they do best in crafting amazing works for their communities by allowing you, the fiercest of the fierce audience, to sign up for monthly pledges to support. You can sign up to support this podcast for as little as $5 a month, which these days is equivalent to one hipster cup of coffee. Let's just be real. So what's in it for you? Our Patreon clan will have first access to our episodes, as well as behind the scenes looks into interviews, process, and more. It would mean the world to me if you checked out the Heart of Dating Patreon page so we can together empower others to live their best dating lives. I really want to continue to bring you helpful episodes, the best possible interviews, and stellar content. You can find out more at www.patreon.com forward slash heart of dating. 
Okay. I, I just want to bring it back here for a second. So I, because we're talking about you and your dating journey in your twenties and I've read your book and you just have some really amazing, hilarious stories. So can we just talk just for a second about some of the bad, worst, hilarious situation that you, that you have experienced in dating? Can we just go there? For a Let's discuss. So <laughs> I remember one guy and I'm trying to think, how did I meet him? I cannot remember for the life of me right now how I met this man, but I was probably like 26 at the time. So this is like really odd to me now to think that he was closer to my age. I'm 37. So I was about 26 and he was 36 and he was, I don't remember how we met, but anyway, we go on this date and this is probably our first, I think our first date. And Mm -hmm. he's like, you know, so you're, you're 26. He's asking me about work. He's like, do you have any kids? I'm like, no, I don't have any kids. He was like, wow, you're 26. You don't have any kids. He's like, aren't you worried about it? (laughs) Oh no, he did not. And I remember like, and I I don't think quickly on my feet. If I had Kate, I would definitely would have like shaded him in the moment. But, but like, excuse me. I remember when I got in the car going home thinking, uh, why should I be worried about what my uterus is doing? First of all, in general, why are you worried about what my uterus is doing? But right. if anybody should be worried about how old they are, it's you. Uh, like you're sure you're talking to me. But for some yeah. reason, bless my heart, I went on another date with him. You did. I don't know what. Did I don't, you bring I, it up? Oh my I gosh, I would have went on another date, and I had a rule. So we must have either he must have said that to me on our second date because I can't remember the first date now. But I had a rule that we had to go on mm. so many dates before like a man could come to my residence. So oh, for some okay, reason, yeah. bless good. my little heart, he made it that far in the dating process. <laughs> and I was um, going to be competing in a poetry slam that mm-hmm. night. And mm-hmm. I think what happened is I had mentioned to him that I was going to it and I really had no intentions of bringing him with me. But he had kind of mm-hmm. invited himself, and I was like, you know, I'm trying to broaden my horizons. Okay. Well, he comes to my house, and he's <laughs> wearing, like, these pants. I don't even know if lavender is the right color <gasps> to say what they were, oh. but it's like a, maybe like a periwinkle. Like a lilac? Oh, yeah. my. It was like a periwinkle pants hmm. that had been taken to the cleaners and starched within an inch of his <gasps> life. No. So these pants. Oh, like, he's serious about those pants. They he's can serious. stand up on their own. If like, he would have just set them there, they could stand up on their own. Do Southern people have colored pants that they starch? Is that I know they have jeans. I but mean, that might be a thing. And I feel like there's a certain age of man sometimes that starches mm. things like this, that like starches jeans and starches <gasps> oh, pants, whatever. I don't so, not into the starching. I'm already looking at his outfit. And I'm like, I am embarrassed. You're like, why did I make this decision? How do I? 911. <laughs> but I'm like trying to be open-minded because yeah. Dr. Cloud's telling us in the book to try to be open-minded. You I'm, have Dr. Cloud on your shoulder like, like you've got to give this a shot, Amina. You've got to do yeah. this. And it's like, you're going to a poetry slam. It's not like you're agreeing to marry this man. Fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I looked down at his shoes, Kate, and he's wearing, I don't know how to describe them, except they're like uncle sandals. They're like oh. the kind of sandals <gasps> an uncle would wear. They're leather, but there's like all these oh. straps 
<laughs> crisscrossing each other. I know exactly the one you're talking and about. Then actually, he's got like some black church socks on <gasps> with the sandals. Yes, girl. Oh, oh. And the lilac pants. Oh my oh. goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh, Who did not screen him before this date? Wow. Amina. Every man should have their, their male Amina friends. Amina did not. Amina did not screen him. Had I screened him properly, <laughs> I should have been. I should have come up with some strep throat or something that was going to keep that from happening. But <laughs> you anyway, see the outfit. You're like, hey, I'm so sorry. I can't. I can't do yeah, it tonight. I, I just I'm got sorry. sick. Like I just now, just now looking at this outfit. Oh my gosh. I wish I, I wish I would have not gone with him, but I totally went on a date with him, which went very badly. So that was our final date. But he became like, this is what happens. I think when you start doing something where you're doing a lot of casual dating, you don't, re- you don't yeah. necessarily remember those men's names. So like when mm. I would talk to my girlfriends, it's like a man had to make it pretty far to be like, Oh, that's Brandon. You know, yes. it's like he, so that man became like Mr. Lavender Pants. So then yes. that's how my friends refer to him. They'd be like, so whatever happened with Mr. Lavender Pants? And I'd be like, he, mm-mm, no. <laughs> First of all, he asked questions about my uterus. Right. And second you of too. all, he wore starch lavender pants. So boy, bye. Mm-mm. Bye. Mm-mm. <laughs> and I wish it would have stopped there, Kate. I wish it would have, but. Oh, so, so many, that's just so telling much me like two things. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's, that's so good. It's actually, I mean, just as you're saying that it reminds me, I totally forgot about this. The shoes thing reminds me of this guy I went out with in New York years ago. And I just remember he was trying to show me all around his favorite parts of the city. And I'll never forget, like I meet him wherever it was, Upper West Side. And he walks out in these sandals like the Velcro Nike oh, sandals, like the no. shower shoes. Nope. And I, I mean, from then on, I just called him shower shoes guy. Yeah. I was like, I, they would literally, I think he wore them in the shower. He must have, because they were actually, you know, like when they're wet and they're just nope. like, cry, yeah, like squishy sound. <laughs> we're walking around the city. I'm just like, I could not stop looking. And his feet were out. Oh. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't even want to see your toes. Come on. Mm. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, funny. Okay. I love it. <laughs> I mean, it's like you rack a bunch of those up. I was like, yep, uh, tow truck guy and car wash guy. It's like they all have these like strange names, you know, but they make for highly entertaining stories, even though they make for bad boyfriends. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about the funny things. What is the thing um, that you found yourself like crying over the most in dating? Oh man. I I think the hardest part about dating for me that probably made me cry the most is when I like fed, fell like head over heels in love with someone and they Mm. didn't feel the same. Mm. I think that's the hardest part because that's, I think in all of our journey in dating, you're hoping for like the click, you know, you're hoping for that moment where you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm into this person. They're equally into me. And you're sort of walking around the world trying to see, like, will I find that match? And Mm. it's a beautiful thing even when you discover you've fallen in love with someone. Like, I had to learn that, that even if that person either A, doesn't feel the same, or B, maybe they do feel the same, but circumstances make it so that it's not a relationship that will work out. It's beautiful that my heart could fall in love with somebody, but it's Mm. heartbreaking when you are falling in love with that person and you realize, oh, I'm alone in this. Like, you mm. don't feel that same way about me. That's probably one of the things that just was hardest for me. Oh, my gosh. 
Yes. I think, I don't know why it is too. And I don't think this is exclusive to women, but there's something about that. I think because in our nature, we innately want to be needed. We want to be loved. And that's just so such a desire of ours that when we finally open ourselves up to love and we, to find out the other person doesn't want to be with us or that they don't love us, it's just, it, it's so easy for those lies to seep in of like unworthiness yeah. and that we're not lovable. Mm-hmm. And I think heartbreak is one of the hardest things to navigate. I mean, it's the, it's a very hard thing to navigate it because sometimes it can feel like a true trauma. Yeah. Um, it's like a loss, you know? And it, I mean, depending on the depth of your relationship that can, that varies, but I think that is one of the greatest things that we need to help ourselves as men and women to build up love for ourselves. So in that moment, we can, we can know the truth about ourselves, you know, and know how God calls us and know what he thinks about us and how truly worthy and, and loved we are and a treasure that we are both men and women. And yeah, gosh, yes. And I've been through a heartbreak like that, that was just totally caught me off guard. And that feeling, oh, that feeling is so rough. It's so hard. And I I remember when I went through that, you know, I think everybody has at least one, some of us more, some of us have more than one, but you're going to have at least one really bad breakup. That's just going to like break your heart. And I remember when that happened to me, I was in a small group of women and I turned to one of my friends and I said, she was like out to eat with me and I'm like crying into my eggs or whatever, where we were eating. You know, I was at that stage where it's like, any time they're I like, talk about it, I cried or whatever. Anything, they bring you eggs and it reminds you of him and I'm you're like, like, I had eggs with him once. He used to love this kind of bacon, you know, like come down and stuff. And Extra crispy. Please, you know, and I looked at her and I was like, how long is this going to go on? Two weeks, mm-hmm. four weeks. Yeah. And she was like, I don't know. She was like, and you're not going to know. She was like, it might take you a year. It might take you six months. She was like, it's different for every person. But she gave me the best advice. She was like, you can't do anything but walk through it. She was like, that's all you can do when you have your heart broken. You have to walk through it. And she said, one day you'll wake up, you'll look up and you'll go, I'm not crying about that anymore. Yeah. You know, but you have to, she's like, you have to give yourself the time to go through it. And that I hated Mm. that she said it to me at the time because I wanted her to Mm. say, go do this. And instantly you will not feel any way about these things that have happened. Or one of my favorite breakup movies, uh, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Oh, so good. I love that. Oh my gosh. Like you want that. Mm. You like want something to come and just be like, erase that this person ever existed. Yes. Take away their breath so they don't to have to be here it. on the same planet where I am breathing breath as well, you know? Exactly. But that's not how yes. life is. You have, to, you have to walk through the healing process, you know? Yeah. Something I always say, because you have a choice after when a heartbreak happens or a trauma like that happens, you have a choice to embrace it. Like I always say, embrace the discomfort or compartmentalize it. And compartmentalizing often seems easier because we want to put it in a box and never look at it again and la, 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 just leave it in the corner of our room till it builds dust and nobody can see it. Um, but that, that way will always come back. Yep. The box will never, will never leave your room. <laughs> you know, it will always just be sitting there. And the harder version is to embrace the discomfort and just accept where you're at in it and ask, I mean, every day, ask God for healing in that place and just walk through it. And some days you'll be great. And some days you'll be crying your eyes out and you 
don't feel shame about that, you know, because just embrace it. And um, my last breakup I went through, I remember just repeating this mantra to myself with the Lord. I was like, Kate, I felt God saying, Kate, you are in charge of your own healing. You can invite me into this place. You can receive freedom from this, but you have to want to do that every day. You have to want to go there. Um, oh, yeah. But it would be so much easier if we could snap just our fingers. Zap it like men in black when they would just do the thing where they could like erase <laughs> right. your memory. That's That would be super great. But that You're doesn't like, Here, look out. right here. I'm like, yes, I'm like, please, okay. I would love to because I don't want to remember any of this. You know? Yeah. I know. Okay. So I just want to dive in here to this other question. So um, I don't know. We were talking about aesthetic expectations and all these different things and Dr. Henry Cloud and um, I, I think we put so much aesthetic expectations on our relationship and I've even done it before where, you know, sometimes I would say I would never date X or I would never date Z, um, and what have you. And I know you are, Mina are married to a redhead, which is amazing. <laughs> um, I love that so much. Like just talk about like, that is so cool. Um, so how have you experienced the impact of, you know, being an interracial couple with your husband and what is that, what has that been like for you? Wow. So, um, I, I think in my mind, I, I actually on my list, cause I did have a list, um, yeah. before I got married, I had a list of 10 things and there was only one physical quality on my list was height because I'm mm. almost six feet tall. And I was just like, look, you are, yes. Girl, that's a, yeah. yes, I remember that in the book. Yes. Yeah. I'm like five eleven, So I was like, I yeah. really, I'm going to try to be accepting, but I really would like someone taller than me if possible. That was my one like mm-hmm. physical thing. But of course, when you're actually dating, you really have other physical things that you're like, no, I don't think I can do. No, I'm not sure. I blah, blah, blah. And I think I had had this idea in my mind. I was going to get married in my early twenties that I was going to meet mm-hmm. this person in college and that we were going to be college sweethearts and get married. And when I looked yeah. up and I was very much past that time and obviously graduated school and had no soulmate, had no, <laughs> had no like, college sweetheart. And had, I'm a single yeah. doll, as a dollar bill over here. Hello. I was like, I had the college and not the sweetheart. So, <laughs> you know, uh, yes. I was like, well, okay. You know, so I think I had never really thought about sort of what I was what I, what I was thinking as far as, you know, what a man's like cultural background was, you know, when I was dating a guy, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking that I was thinking anything about that until some girlfriends and I went to see this movie called something new starring Sam mm. Lathan and Sanaa Lathan is this wonderful black woman actress. And uh, she plays this black woman in this movie who like dates a white man. Mm. And I went out with my girlfriends and we went out to eat afterwards. Like we must discuss <laughs> what is happening here in this movie? You know, and and even at the table, all of us had various different opinions. You know, some of us were like, you know, I've always been open to, you know, just dating any man that I found attractive, no matter what his background was. And and some of us were like, you know, I have a specific type of man and this is what I want. You know, so there were varying opinions around the table, but that was my first time. I remember like when I went home and I was in the car by myself, I was just like, okay, Jesus, like what's most important to me is that I marry a man who loves you mm-hmm. and who is walking in the calling that you've given to him. And so I just yeah. said to God, whatever it is that he looks like, I don't want, I wouldn't want, even, even though I had height on my list, I wouldn't want something like height 
to prevent mm. me from being able to have a relationship with someone that would be great to be in a relationship with. Yeah. You know? So that sort of opened up my mind. And then as I was dating, using Dr. Cloud's program, I was <laughs> sorts of people and I was just discovering like, oh, oh, I like that. Like, I like a guy that has a stockier build, but yeah. I didn't know that until I started yeah. doing some casual dating. I went on a date with this guy. He was terrible, but he held my hand <laughs> for a while. We were walking uh, downtown Decatur here in Atlanta. He was very attractive and held my hand and he had this nice forearm girl and his forearm oh, like come on. came close to my forearm when he grabbed my hand to like walk across the street. And I was like, I <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> Not you, but that. <laughs> you know? I do like that. You got my attention. I don't Second to... date, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But, um, we, we not gonna work out by the time we got to the third date. I was like, we're not gonna work out, but I like that. So I had different things like that, that helped yeah. me to sort of like, as I look at the man my husband is, I'm like, oh, I was discovering along the way in all those little dates, you know, these yeah. things I would be attracted to. But um, my husband, who was going to be my partner in life, he showed up as a white man with red hair and freckles. Love it. And yeah. that was not at all what I had envisioned in my mind, you know, but right. totally is the person that I needed to walk through this life with. So I was glad that I was at least at a place of just being open to yeah. what my partner in life might look like or be like that was different from my expectation. I think that's mm -hmm. where I would get hung up a lot as far as, you know, and even among my friends, we would get hung up on what we were expecting that guy to be like. Right. We're needing to have some openness to like what he could be like. And I'm glad I was, I would have totally missed out if I would have had very, uh, not strict, but you know, very like sort of tiny things. Yeah. Like tiny yeah. something you'd have to be, you'd have to, you'd have to be like right. to fit into whatever that was I had this in my little mind. tiny itsy bitsy box. Yeah. Like we're like, you got to fit in here, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. fit all this into this small little, um, I think that, oh, that is so good. And I think just like anyone listening, we need to challenge them right now that if anyone feels like, or they've never been on a date with someone who's not, doesn't meet what's on their list that they need to try it. Just try going out with someone like let's challenge people. Um, I think also as, as individuals who are really passionate about dating and anyone who does have a passion for dating and hopefully most of us do, it's, it's a good thing to keep accountable to also challenge your friends too, because so many of my friends say, Oh no, I would never date him for X reason. And it's usually a lot of times it's an aesthetic thing. Of course, if it relates to like his faith or different huge foundational things, of course, I mean, yeah, don't date him necessarily per, I mean, depending, but, um, but when it has to do with, especially aesthetics, like challenge yourself, why not just go out and meet someone different. God isn't a God that's like so confined to a box. Don't put God in a box. He can yeah. do so much more than your little human brain can even see. Yes, totally. <laughs> that's I, mm -hmm. I'm totally in agreement with that. I feel like when we get mm -hmm. caught up on all those things, we really lose, we lose, you know, and sometimes yeah. we have in our minds a thing and like life, we, I could say many moments of life, not just in dating, 
that I yeah. thought I thought I would be doing a very different career even than what I'm doing. You know, right. I have this expectation there of like, I'll become mm. that. And I became a different thing. And it's actually even better than I could have imagined for myself. But I, I mm. do think it's important to take on that challenge and casual dating's perfect for it. It's perfect yeah. for it. You could be like, oh, I never thought I'd like somebody like that. I could try, I could try going out, hanging out and having a conversation you know, yeah. see what you can mm-hmm. learn from the person or learn. About yeah. Yourself. And even if there are like cultural differences, I've dated people from different countries before and there's cultural differences there, but it's so interesting. It doesn't mean it's a deal breaker for there to be cultural differences. Um, it's just something that's different and you navigate that together and you learn and it can be very interesting. Um, I think we write people off way too soon. Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, okay. So what age were you when you got married? I was 31, awesome. 31 years oh old. Yeah. 31 yes. years old, got married and bless my heart, lived all that life in my twenties and into 31 as a virgin. That was a whole other. <laughs> oh my goodness. Ah, that, we'll talk about that on wow. the, on the, uh, the after Podcast party. Part two. Yeah. <laughs> Can we t- Whatever we're going to get off here and be like, bye guys. On the late night version of the art of dating. <laughs> We'll talk about that, but yeah, 31 years old, which, you know, I, I obviously have Mm -hmm. a lot of friends who are, you know, single in their mid thirties, early forties, late forties, you know, so I realized that's not a long time, but in Amina's Mm -hmm. world of expectations to have turned 30, I turned 30 and I wasn't dating anybody. (laughs) Yeah. I wasn't dating anybody like. I was like, oh my gosh, my life is turning out differently than anticipated. Mm. You know, I just, I had an expectation in my mind that would have happened far before and having to just like try to be present where I was. Like, I remember having to walk through all that, you know? What is one piece of hope advice that you can give people like in their late twenties and late thirties that are single right now based on the journey you went through? I think my... I think my biggest piece of like hopeful advice I would say is don't miss out on where you are. Mm. Like you may look ahead or look at other people in your life and think, man, I would love to just go to bed with a pair of thighs, you know, at night or whatever it is that's in your mind that you think I'd love for somebody to do this or do that, you know, whatever you have in your mind of that. Um, If that happens in your life, it could be great. But you're not there right now. You're where you are right now. And there's a lot of beauty and a lot of adventure and a lot of fun and just life to live. All the hard and beautifulness of all of it. You know, there's a lot of life to live. So, you know, I try to take that advice too. you know, wherever I am, be where I am. Even when I think maybe I would love to be further along or or I don't know why I, sometimes I'll feel left behind. Like yeah. if other people in my life have moved on to a certain phase of their life, but I'm still back here. You know, I haven't moved on. I'll start to feel like I haven't graduated and yeah. I have to just stop having that frame of thinking that where mm-hmm. I am, there's a lot more life to live if I would be present where mm-hmm. I am. So if you can do that, if you know, all my friends, you know, that have kids, for example, tell me it's like, yeah, if, I was just going to say yeah. like, you know, whatever phase you're in, it's like when you're single, 
you know, you're going to have some freedoms there. Not that to be married is like this ball and chain bonding, <laughs> 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 you know, but oh my gosh! Like when you're single, you don't have anybody to talk to about things, but God, as far as the adult choices right. you make about your life. Mm-hmm. So you could be like, Oh, I want to go to New York for Christmas. You don't have mm-hmm. the boss to consult. You don't have your spouse to be wondered about it. Right. You're make, you're make, you make a choice. You talk to God. God's cool with it. You go forward. That's a beautiful freedom. And that's a small example, you know, that I'm giving, mm-hmm. you know? And so like my friends that have kids are like, sleep in. <laughs> They're like, go to sleep. That's right. what I tell you is go to sleep because now. Cause once you have some kids, you're not going to sleep. It's not happening. No. Right. You and know, the expectations like, thing that that doesn't end, like having not being present, wanting just the finish line, it doesn't end. It starts with mar- being single, wanting marriage, and then in marriage, it's the kids, and then kids, it's whatever you know. Next after that, it's if we're that's only our focus, we miss so much of the in between. Yeah, so much fruit that the God is producing even in those seasons, um, and so many things we probably, I mean, take for granted yeah. and take advantage of. And I think one other thing I want to say too is Mm. I think to be okay with however you process where you are, because Mm. for some people you love being single. Sometimes people are putting on you the, Oh, don't you want to get married? Like they're giving you the pity message and you're like, Mm. I don't feel the pity. I love my life. I live my life. And I think it's good to accept Mm. that as well that I think it's fine to want to get married if that's what you want. It's just, I guess I'm trying to equate those two things. Like it's fine. If you're like, "Mm, that's not really the life I want for myself. That's not really life. I feel called to, you know, that's not a bad thing. And if you're like, I do want to get married, that is a thing I want, That that's not a bad thing. And wherever you are, you can go to God with that on the days it makes you cry on the days you get Mm -hmm. angry on the days you feel like other people who don't deserve to get some Mm -hmm. of the, you know, opportunities they get. I remember when I was single, this probably sounds so shady, Kate, but like when people would get engaged and I'll be like, now Jesus, you know, good and well, that relationship is not even ready for marriage. God, they are not even ready. And here I am, you know, of course my opinion of myself is yes. here. I am a hundred percent ready for a hundred and ten percent. And here you are skipping over me again. You know, like sometimes mm, you have yeah. those thoughts like you need, it's okay to take Oof. that to God, you know, that yeah. God wants to walk with you through all iterations of however you process that journey too. Hmm. Yeah. Gosh. Oh, that was beautiful. This has been such a good conversation already. And I could just go on. I feel like forever. We're going to have to have an after show. (laughs) We do do need an after show. Well, the after party. (laughs) The after the party is the hotel lobby. Um, Oh my gosh. But um, can I just ask you one last thing? Would you at all want and be okay with honoring us with some of your beautiful spoken word? Would you, would you do that? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll share with you my, this is my most recent poem. So this is at the center of where my life is (laughs) right now. I love it. Um, I love it. But I think it actually really is going to be a great way to close our conversation because I wrote this poem. I wrote this poem actually, uh, after just going through a really hard year, like Mm. really one of the toughest years of my life, the last sort of 12 to, you know, 18 months has been very hard, you know? 
And I think when I walked into the new year, 2018, I was like, wow, that was really hard, but like I made it, you know, I'm here, I'm surviving. Yeah. And I think sometimes, yeah, like sometimes we hear the word survive and we, we don't, um, we don't like it in Christian circles because it sounds like that's just the bare minimum. You know, you should want significance and you should want meaning, you know, and you should want those things. Yeah. But when you are go through tough times and for a long time, um, surviving is also a blessing that you can Mm. look up and say, well, that was really hard and I'm still alive and I'm still here, Mm. you know? So, um, this poem's called here breathing and I'll just read a little bit of it. Mm. Um, but it really, I'm trying to process that idea of how you can look at a hard thing, but also Mm. appreciate that you are still here, even in the midst of it. Mm. Assess what the flood and quake and sickness and death have stolen. Remember how the pain made you lift a life you never thought you had the strength to lift, gave you new muscles, made you just as strong as you are weak. Remember the time life wanted to fight you in a boxing match you never agreed to, punched you in the gut, hit you straight in the chest, stole the wind out the inside. You remember rock bottom, how asphalt and concrete left tread marks on your cheeks, how you thought your knees would never find the strength to kneel, certainly not to stand definitely not to walk, never to run again, how you never thought you'd say, much less live anything like the words get up, but you did. You survived. You are here, breathing. Remember how the words they said punctured your skin, made you bleed? You apply pressure and yet continue to bleed, made you cry, made you question everything, made you doubt yourself, made you doubt God and goodness and grace, how you learned that truth Be the best thread for suturing wounds, how time turns a stitch into new skin, how in the old places of pain, new life can find its footing, even when that footing is shaky, how overcoming didn't show up in the clothes you thought it would, but you did. You overcame. You are here, breathing. Oh my gosh. Um, Wow. That was so good. So powerful. Um, I'm a little speechless. Uh, yeah, girl, you are, you're amazing. You, you have a gift. Um, wow. Can, can you, can you tell the people where they can connect with you so they can experience some more of this amazingness? Yeah, I would love to stay connected to all of the heart of dating listeners. I actually love talking about dating. So I was really excited that you invited me to talk about this, Kate. So I, I'd love to stay connected with people on aminabrown.com. And my name is spelled amen with an A on the end, A-M-E-N-A, aminabrown.com. And I am on all the interweb things everyone is on except Snapchat because I don't understand how it works. But everything else, I <laughs> I don't understand it either. I used to be on it, but then Insta stories happened. So yeah. I'm by Snapchat. I'm sorry. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry, Snapchat. <laughs> um, gosh, you're just amazing, girl. I can't wait. I'm about to. I'm gonna have to book a flight to Atlanta here soon and let you know when I'm in town. Let me know. I'm gonna work on this gluten free fried chicken. I'm gonna see if I can invest. Oh, in you better. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Please. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to bring something from La La Land. Whatever you want. I'll bring you some. Man, if you could bring some tacos, that would be. Tacos. Okay. Tacos wait, we can do that. I, I was going to say we have phone nuts, but that's but If you could, you could somehow like put the tacos in a capsule. I would, like a fish. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I will. I will throw them across. <laughs> the 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, gosh, you're so raw, so loving, just beautiful woman inside and out. I appreciate you so much. And just thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks a lot, Kate. Okay, that was just a blast. Funny, moving, emotional, all the things. Amina is just one heck of a woman, am I right? I really just love how real and raw she is about her entire story. So definitely take some time to find her and support her however you can. I'm so thankful for her insight today on this topic. Also, if you support this mission, I'd love, love, love for you to hit subscribe on iTunes. Please, please, please. You can also stay up to date with show notes on heartofdating.com. And you can follow along on Instagram at, at heartofdating. And, you know, if you happen to know a friend or two that might need some dating help, I'd love for you to share this with them and get them to also support this. We have some amazing guests coming up in the coming weeks, and I am confident you will love it. So stick with me as we journey through this together. Until next time, friends.